this morning as we get ready to get into the word I feel like God has given us for this year. I want you to know sometimes we, we have a word of the year, and I just want to trump that by saying this this morning, that, uh, you know, I'm all for having words of the year. Oftentimes I have one for this morning, and I have words for myself that God gives me personally for the year, oftentimes a word or a statement. Uh, but I kind of just say that we, it's, it's important to have a word, but the most important thing is we have the word. We have the word. The word becomes the rock for my year. The word becomes where I lay the foundation, okay? This word trumps any word that I have. I can tell you right now. This word trumps everything because it is a solid foundation of which I live my life and build my life and build my family and build this church for the kingdom of God is built upon the word of the Lord. And if we miss the word and we miss prayer, we're missing it. We gotta have a heart for both. So I want you to do that power 30 every day. But I have been praying and asking the Lord to restore. Look at Joel 2.25. Joel 2.25 says this about us. It says, God says, I will restore. Everybody say that word, restore. God will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, and the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. Someone said, that sounds like my ex-wife right there. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't be so, don't wake up tight. It's really okay, I promise you. Just playing. It could be your boss. <laughs> no, that's not it. What this is symbolizing is this, is that in our life, the enemy has come many times and stolen away our vision. It's taken away our joy, taken away our peace, our dreams, things maybe we wanted to accomplish. The enemy's come away and taken away things that we felt the one time that God had given us. Maybe it was ministry. Maybe it was something else, peace. But the enemies come in and eat that away like the locusts came in and chew away the crops. It says, my great army, which I send among you, you shall eat plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord, your God, who has dealt wonderfully with you. And I love that first line, for I will what? Restore to you the years. Some of you here today, I want you to understand that God is saying that over many people here. You had a tough year. If we're being honest, some of you have had a tough three or four years in the past. But I'm here to declare over your life, God's going to restore to you and make the enemy bow down to what God has for your life. Because you didn't give up. Because you didn't quit when it got tough. Because you didn't stop serving the Lord. Because you refused to stay home. Because you refused to isolate. Because you refused to say, I'm giving up on God. God has said, I'm going to restore back to you the years the enemy has taken from your life. And your ladder will be greater. Come on now. Your point is going to be greater. Your future is greater than what God wants to do in you. How many say, I believe that, amen? And I believe God wants today to use this word, renew. Everybody say, renew. I, I had the word renew, restore, renovate, as we demolish down. And I said, God, which one is it? He said, I want you to use the word renew. Look it up. And so as I looked up the word renew, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. To make like new. To restore, refresh, rejuvenate, and renovate. All those words are there that you were giving me under the name renew. And so I feel like God wants us to use this as a word for the, from the Spirit this year. That God is wanting to renew your sight. God is wanting to renew your vision. 
God is wanting to renew your family. God is wanting to renew your ministry. God is wanting to renew your finances. God is wanting to renew your children. God's wanting to renew your health. God's wanting to renew your joy. God's wanting to renew your peace. Come on now, say, I want to walk with fresh vision this year. When your memories outgain and exceed your dreams, can I tell you the end is getting near? Some of you are like, uh-oh. <laughs> but when my memories of the past are greater than my dreams of the future, that means I'm getting up there in years. So, so I'm like, Lord, don't, don't let me stop dreaming. God, don't let me stop seeing the visions. Don't let me stop seeing what you're wanting to do. God is wanting to do this in our life. I want you to dream again. I want you to have fresh vision in your life. I want you to see again. I want God to return and renew your sight. Some of you lost it. From COVID on, you haven't recovered. But I'm declaring that God's going to renew your vision this year. God is going to renew in your heart this year. It's a dream. I know God wants to renew your dreams again. Some of you haven't dreamed in a long time. God wants you to dream again. If you have lost your vision, if you have lost your sight, you're in the right spot today. I believe God wants us to get this message. In the Bible, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when it talks about who Jesus was, the story of his life, we see eight different stories where Jesus healed the blind eyes, that Jesus healed someone who was blind or multiple people who were blind. And all eight of these stories had really something significant about it. There was something in it that was very unique. That Jesus didn't heal everybody the same exact way. Some he threw mud. Remember he made mud pies and then threw it in their eyes and told them to go wash it off. Some people he spit in their eyes. I mean, how many of us would have been like offended? I would have. How about you? What are you doing spitting on me? But ah, the more I understand now, God, give me that DNA. Lord, give me, give me that. Help me wash out the crud in my eyes. Help me wash out the things that are keeping me from seeing you. And all these things that Jesus began to do to, to the sight to be returned back to those without vision were very unique. And can I say today for all of us here, there's something unique that God wants to do in our life. He has a unique vision for your life. He has a personal vision for your life and my life. He wants to renew it today. Every person that God touched was done in a personal way. He wants to touch you in a personal way. I want to put our time in on one of those stories. And today we're going to talk about blind Barnabas for a few minutes here. Then we're going to go back into worship. So pull in close with me here. Let's read the story together. Luke 18, verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside. He was begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Come on. Let's say it together. Have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Right away, he replied, Lord, I want to see. 
And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, for your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God as well. I want you to get this today and understand something. His name was Bartimaeus because we see the same story play out in Mark. And the name Bartimaeus, remember people were named in those days based off of a family trait or a character trait of that person. That many times they didn't even get their name until a few years after they were born. They waited until they had something of character to name. So his name, Bartimaeus, is translated son of unclean. What a great name and testimony, right? I mean, this boy, this man did nothing to deserve this name, but he got a name attached to him based off of some great failure that his dad must have did. It could have been a great sin, great failure, big mistake he made, but somewhere along the line, he received the name Bartimaeus, meaning unclean, son of somebody unclean. I imagine many people said, well, that's the reason why he's blinded, because it was something great, sin in his, his father's life. He was named for his father's mistake. If we could put it in today's terms, he was really named after a generational curse. That something had been passed down. This sin's being passed down from father to father, now from father to son. And he was named after a mistake in his family. But can I declare something to you today? Can I let you know at Destiny Church, I want you to know this for every individual in this house today. We don't name you by your mistake. God doesn't name you by your mistake, and we don't either here at Destiny Church. We're not going to hold your family's past against you. We're not going to hold past sin against you. Listen, you have a new name, as we just sung earlier, written down in glory, and it's yours. And today, we look beyond your mistake. We look beyond the failure of your family. We look on your personal failures, and we see you forgiven. We see you redeemed. We see you a child of God. We see you as sons and daughters of the King. I want you to know today, how do you handle generational curses, Pastor? My father before me was incarcerated, and I was incarcerated. I don't want my family to do that. My father before me, and my grandfather, they were addicted. They were alcoholics. They were addicted to pornography. They were womanizers. They were on drugs. They were doing this. They were committed. My mom was committed. She's always worrying. Her mom was always worrying. I couldn't always stop her worrying. Now I worry all the time. Someone's got to stop, right? And could I declare to you today, I want you to see this. This is my prayer for you. I want you to say this. It got to me, but it stops at me. You can say that generational curse made its way to me, but it's going to stop here. I'm not going to pass that down to the next generation. I'm not going to pass that down to my children or my grandchildren. I'm breaking that curse over my life. I'm breaking that reputation over my family. And I'm saying today, my name has been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we're writing a new story. We're writing a new end to the story of our family and my life. It stops with me. Addiction got to me, but it stops at me. Poverty got to me, but it stops at me. Anxiety got to me, but it stops at me. Depression got to me, but it stops at me. 
Bartimaeus didn't have his sight. But the Bible says he used the senses he did have. It says that he heard that Jesus was coming. He used his ears, his hearing to hear that Jesus was close by. And then he used his mouth to call out to Jesus. I love that about this man. I love it that he decided to use what he had instead of feeling sorry for the, what he didn't have. Look at this statement. I wonder how many of us never receive our breakthrough because we focus on what we don't have instead of what we do have. Too many of us are putting out personal goal lists, all this list about what we want God to do. It's all about what we don't have. And I wonder how many of us are missing because we're looking for what we don't have. We miss out on what God has given us. How about we intermingle in that list? There's nothing wrong with wanting more. But how about we put with that list, God, take what I have and multiply it for you. God, help me use what you have given me. God, help me to use the talents you have given me. God, help me to use the resources you have given me. God, help me to use the time you have given me. See, when I begin to use what I have, it opens the door for God to do a miracle and to return my sight. I want you to get this. I admire this man. He could have said, I'm a victim. He could have played the victim card, sit around feeling sorry for himself. Well, if Jesus really cares about me, he'll make his way over to me. He'll come and talk to me and he'll do. He didn't do that. He didn't sit around playing the victim. See, we're really good at in America about playing the victim, aren't we? Everybody's a victim. And we're raising up little victims who are raising up other little victims. And now we've got a world full of victims. Everybody's a victim. Can I tell you, everybody's been through something hard. Everybody's been through tough things. And you can choose to be a victim or you can choose to be a victor. What do you want to do this year? Are you going to pass on that victim spirit to your children and grandchildren? Are you going to say, that stops here? We're not going to be the victim. We're going to be the victors, and we're going to go for what God has for our family. Let's use what God has given me now. Let's use what God has given me now, and then he can open the door for him to do more in my life. He calls out, God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me me. I like this word mercy. Don't get mercy and grace confused. They're different things, but God gives us both. Look at this. Grace is a gift we don't deserve. We didn't deserve for Jesus to die on the cross for us. We didn't deserve for him to take my punishment, my sins, and to die for me. But while we were yet sinners, he did that. That was grace. That all I got to do is by faith receive the gift he's already given me. I just by faith have got to receive what he did on the cross for me. It's grace. I didn't deserve it, but I can get it and you can have it by just putting our faith in Jesus. But mercy, and God is full of mercy, is us not getting the punishment we deserve. We didn't just get grace, but we also got mercy. And he called out, have mercy on me. Some of you need to do that right now. You say, God, have mercy on me. God, thank you that I've made some big mistakes in my life, but have mercy. God, I thank you for your mercy that you could have destroyed me. You could have punished me greater, but God, in your great mercy, 
that once I experienced your grace, your great mercy began to come into my life and you removed some of the punishment. You allowed me to heal quicker. You allowed me to get back to the place I needed to be. God, he called out, God, give me mercy. I wonder how many of us will make that the prayer over the next 21 days. God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on America. God, have mercy on my community. God, have mercy. We need to make that a priority of our prayers in the next 21 days. Cry out, God, have mercy. He didn't let people or society keep him quiet. I love that about him. He didn't. He, he praised, look, he, he praised God all the more. Jesus is coming, passing by. Who's that? Is that Jesus? That's Jesus. He, hey, Jesus, son of David. Why did he call him son of David? This is so cool. Because remember, the prophecy said that Jesus' lineage would be traced back to David. So for him to call out, he was not only calling out I mean, everybody's saying Messiah, and some are saying Jesus, some are saying Rabbi, some are saying Teacher. But he goes, Son of David, I know the prophecy. I've heard the prophecy, and I believe you are him. And he calls out, and they're like, shh. The dignitaries came and said, listen, we're going to need you to quiet down. Jesus has came to our community. And you can be here, but just lower down your praise. Just lower down your shouting. We don't want Jesus to think you're crazy. We don't want you to give the community a bad name. Can you please just lower it down? And the Bible says, because he was so desperate for more of Jesus in his life, he said, even louder, Jesus! He refused to be quiet. And it says he praised God and called God even louder. He praised God even more than what he was doing. May I decree to you today at Destiny Church, hear me very loud and very clear. I don't want you to make no mistake, ands and buts about it. Make it very clear. If you're going to come here, I want you to know this. At the beginning of the year, we will never tone down our praise. If anything, we're going to make it louder. Come on now. I believe we're going to make our praise louder this year. We're not going to turn down our praise. We're not going to pray down our worship. We're not going to turn down what God is doing. We're going to stand up with the cross. Listen, I'm not going to tone it down just because some weak, woke people are trying to get us to be quiet. Even more, we're going to stand up and we're going to lift up the cross of Jesus. We're not going to lift up me and we're not going to lift up you or anybody else on this stage. We're going to lift up Jesus. We're going to lift up the cross of Jesus because he is the only one that has the power to renew my sight. He's the only one that has the power to break the curse of my life. He's the only one that has the power. So we're not going to turn down the praise. You can sit in the back if it gets a little loud, but we're not going to quiet down. If anything, we're going to ramp it up. Why? Because there's power in the praise. There is power in the healing. Renewal and vision is found in the praises of God's people. We're going to stand tall and lift up the cross of Jesus. If I had listened to all the naysayers who told me to be quiet, Destiny Church wouldn't be here today. 
I had pastors that would take me aside before I started Destiny Church and tell me like 10 reasons why it would never happen, why it would fail, why it would run my ministry. I should go take a church that's already established. It's already got a big, you could do that. You got connections, go get a church. And people try to tell me, you put your reputation. If it doesn't work, then you've ruined your reputation. You got a good reputation, don't do that. I had one pastor, a different pastor call me the week after we had our first service. He said, hey, I was, I, man, I heard you're going to be starting a church. I go, yeah, man. I said, thanks, Pastor, for coming. We started, we had a first service last Sunday. He goes, oh, I guess I'm too late then. I was going to ask you not to start a church. This, this town doesn't need another church, so I was going to tell you, you probably don't need to start another church, but it looks like I'm too late. Bye. Boom, it hung up on me. I'm like, what? This guy was supposed to be a leader in this town, and I was like, it's crazy. That guy's no longer a pastor, by the way. I'm still here. But anyway, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> true, true story. Not naming any names, Tim. But anyway, I, I want you to know, if I listened to everybody and tell me it would never work, we wouldn't be here today. And I listen, I'm not going to tone it down. I'm not going to listen to anybody else. I just know the one thing. If we will lift up the cross of Jesus, if we will lift Jesus, if we will show Jesus through our community, God will bring people in. We're not in competition with no other church. We're only in competition with the enemy. And we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. We're going to lift up a shout. Come on now. Can I tell you, this generation doesn't want a quiet praise. This generation is not looking for a clubhouse meeting. They're looking for signs and wonders and miracles. Mom and dad, are you going to pray it in? Mom and dad, are you going to lead your family in prayer? Are you going to lead them in praise? Refuse to tone it down. If anything, we're going to turn it up. So Jesus stopped. It says Jesus heard him. And Jesus stopped by when he heard this man's cries, this man's shouts. I mean, can you imagine the crowds? Jesus is coming by, and you, you've seen the, the things that happened. Someone like the Pope comes by. Crowds are pressing to get to him, holding babies up, shouting. People, bodyguards everywhere. And this is just the Pope. This is Jesus. So I mean, you can imagine the noise factor and the crowd factor. So the fact that Jesus even hears this blind man was a miracle. But there was something, there was other people that were yelling at Jesus. There was other people trying to do their religious duty that day. But there was one man who said, son of David. There was one man that really needed God. And he was like, I don't just need, I don't just need a, I don't need just an Instagram post today. I need a touch today. I don't just need a picture or a selfie with Jesus. I need Jesus to touch me. My life is desperate, and I need Jesus if I'm going to survive. That praise got to him. And Jesus said, wait, who's shouting at me? Who is that person talking? It stopped Jesus right there. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time your shout, your praise, and your worship stopped Jesus? What do you mean, Pastor? When's the last time that I was so connected and true in my worship, in my praise, in my prayer, in my fasting, that I felt like Jesus was there? Jesus was like, son, I see you. Son, I'm with you. Daughter, you are not alone. 
Daughter, I see your tears. Daughter, I see your worship. Daughter, I see the pain in your past, and I'm going to make you whole again. I'm going to heal your heart. What that man meant to destroy, I'm going to repair to you. I'm going to do what generational curses came to make you think you're not good enough or going to ever accomplish anything. I'm here to restore and break that off of your life. Jesus stopped right there. Jesus ordered the man to be brought to him. He said, bring me that man. Now, time out. This is one of those parts in the sermon where I read it and go, now, Jesus, wouldn't it have been a lot easier for you to go to him than to ask the blind man to come to you? What are you doing? Like, Marco, Polo. <laughs> come on, now you got a little sense of humor when you read some of your stories. <laughs> Calling out. Hey, I'm over here. Hey, look closer. You're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. I mean, it makes more sense that Jesus would have went to the blind man than to ask the blind man to come to him. But that's what he did. Jesus asked the blind man to be brought to him. Jesus asked the blind man to take blind steps of faith before he received his renewed vision. Jesus asked the man who was blind to take blind steps of faith before he healed his vision. And many times in our life, we want Jesus to heal our vision, then we'll take steps of faith. But it doesn't work that way. He requires, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. He requires me to take steps of blind faith. And it's really not blind faith because we have been given something he didn't have. We've been given the whole story of the word of the Lord. And so even though we're taking blind steps of faith, we already know what God's going to do. We already know God's going to be there. We already know God's got my safety net there waiting for me. I already know. But God, many times he'll ask us, to take steps of faith before we receive the answer we're looking for. This is what moved the heart of God. Jesus wants you to take these steps of faith. Look, Jesus wants us to take these steps of faith before we can clearly see. I mean, Jesus didn't give him like blurred vision and then him come. He couldn't see anything and then he fully came to see him. Jesus asked him, what do you want from me? What do you want from me. He knew exactly what he wanted. He didn't hesitate. He had an answer. What do you want from me? He said, Jesus, I want to see. I want to see. Lord, I want to see. Can I ask you this question? If Jesus was to come to you during those 21 days of fasting and prayer, and say, Kay, what do you want? Steve, what do you want? Joe, what do you want? If Jesus was to come and say, what do you want? Do you know what you want? Do you know exactly what you would ask? It's a good question, isn't it? If my praise is going to stop him, if my shout's going to stop him, do I know what I need? If he asks me. He asked him, said, Lord, I, I want to see. And see doesn't mean I want to see 50-50. This translates out to say, I want fully restored. That's what this word and phrase he used translates out. I want fully restored the full sight. He said, I want to, basically be translated, he said, I want 20-20. He didn't say, I want 40-40. He 
He said, I, I want to see fully restored. I want to be fully restored to my sight. And the scripture says, Jesus said to him, your faith has healed you. Receive your sight. And immediately he received his sight. And he also immediately followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Can I tell you today, in my last statement, your praise is contagious. Why does God want to heal you? Why does God want to restore you? Why does God want to renew you? Because he wants you to give all praise to him. Because your praise is contagious. Destiny Church, I want you to say, my praise is contagious. I want people to see that God has healed my life. I want people to see that God has changed my life. I want people to see that there's change happening in my life. And it's all because of the goodness of Jesus. It's all because I refuse to be silent and to give him praise. I refuse to let my worship be drowned out. I refuse to be silent. I'm going to let my praise ring. I'm going to let my shout come forth because I want it to spill over. I want these people over here to feel me rejoicing over here. And I want these people over here to feel them rejoicing over here. I want us to be contagious with our praise. I want people to come to the front, spontaneously worship the Lord. Why? Because praise is contagious. I want people stopping by saying, I don't know what's going on, but I heard this church is on fire and I had to come and check it out because I am really cold and empty inside. Why? People come where there's true praise going on. People come when Jesus stops in the midst. People come when generational curses are being broke. People come when renewed vision is being given back. He's doing this to our life. So as you stand on your feet this morning, how many say, Pastor, I'm going to join you. I'm going to join you. 21 days, I'm going to fast and pray with the church as a corporate church. Come on, I'm calling you together. Raise your hand if you say, I'm going to join in. Come on. Yeah. Listen, I'm church, hear me. I'm calling this as a holy time, a holy fast. I don't say that half-hearted. You know, I'm very careful with the words I use. I don't go around the stone, those things around. This is a holy time. It's up to us to come together, to pray. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. Say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for allowing other things to take top priority. God, help me to lead myself. Help me to lead my family back into your presence. God, if you don't go with us in 24, I don't want to go. God, I don't want to see if I can't see what you're seeing. God, I want to have a fresh vision. I want to have a fresh fire. I want to have a fresh passion. I want to have a fresh hunger for God like I never had. If you believe that, say amen. Come on, raise your hands right now. I'm going to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I declare that you're restoring vision starting today.